Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Icarus Boreality with Shane Jones. What is up, inquirers? Welcome to the open-minded talk show that is Inquiries of Our Reality. Today, I had the pleasure of talking to another member of the Small Town Monsters crew. And if you're not familiar with Small Town Monsters, I suggest that you get familiar. They are the cutting edge as far as documentaries, books, and research goes into the bazaar, and have made themselves a huge staple in the community. And I believe that all of their work and research will be talked about for years to come. But before I can get into this awesome interview today... If you guys don't mind taking an extra five seconds to leave a rating for the show on Spotify, I would definitely appreciate it. Or if you're so inclined as to take an extra 30 seconds to leave a review for the show on iTunes, then of course I will read it on the show and give you guys a shout out. And if you're not already following the show on social media, I highly recommend that you do. If you're interested in getting updates on anything interesting going on with the show or new episodes coming out, uh, the one that I'm the most active on, of course, is Instagram. But I do have a Facebook setup, but everything kind of just gets pushed off the Instagram uh, also, we're building up the Telegram of the Discord, more so the Discord. Uh, restructured that relatively recently, got a bunch of new people popping in there. Uh, same with the Telegram, so if that sounds like something that might interest you, go and check it out in the link tree and, uh, and pop in and mingle with all the awesome like-minded individuals. And if anybody's interested in being a guest on the show, whether you're an author, researcher, experiencer, uh, cryptid hunter, uh, paranormal investigator, philosopher, open-minded individual all around. Like I say, usually the list can go on and on. If that sounds like you, I definitely want to sit down and have a conversation with you on the show. If you want to get a hold of me, of course, the best way to do so is through Instagram, or you guys can email me at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com, or you can go to the link tree, fill out the submission form, and of course, that'll go directly to my email. Uh, check your spammer drunk folder and make sure nothing gets missed because I do respond to every single email I get, of course. And uh, if you can't get enough of my work, you guys can go and check out Bizarre Encounters. That's my other show that I do with my two awesome co-hosts, Orin and Jenny. And just like the title, we dive into anything that would be considered a bizarre encounter, uh, be it paranormal, cryptid, uh, alien, UFO, 
any of that kind of stuff. Uh, we're diving into it over there. So uh, that sounds like something might interest you. Go and check it out. Uh, if you guys want to keep tabs on all the different things that I do, I keep everything under the umbrella of Open Minds Media. I do have an Instagram, of course, set up for that. And there is your one-stop shop for any new episodes coming out with any of the shows that I do under that umbrella. Uh, if you guys want to support the show, there's multiple ways to do so. You guys can join the Open Minds Media Patreon, and I call it the Open Minds Media Patreon because I try to make it so there's a little bit more bang for your buck. Uh, not only do you get this show, but you also get Bizarre Encounters, of course, and uh, you'll get things such as ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, lives of episodes, live replays of episodes, which is the raw video format if you guys aren't able to make it to the lives of the episodes, of course, uh, exclusive merch store discounts, uh, exclusive giveaways, monthly hangouts, and that's always expanding. There's always new stuff going on over there. Uh, there's multiple tiers, of course, so go and check it out, figure out which one suits you the best. And I can't stress enough how much the support for the show is needed as far as the show being able to grow, make it so I can spend more time doing this, pumping out even more awesome episodes and content for you guys, hopefully expand in the future into books and other forms of media, of course. Uh, but the only way I'm ever going to be able to do that is with your guys' support. So uh, even if it's just a little bit, uh, anything counts. And of course, I appreciate anything that you guys do. And the only way that I'm ever going to be able to make my dreams come true as far as being able to do this full time is with your guys' support. And I don't want to hide a bunch of stuff behind a paywall. I don't want to have to split episodes. I don't want to have to uh, make it so certain episodes are here, certain episodes are there. Um, I might do some exclusive shows in the future, of course, as far as the Patreon goes. But, uh, you know, I don't want to put a bunch of stuff behind a paywall or anything for you guys. So any support, like I said, is more appreciated than you guys will ever realize. And if you guys want to donate to the show, there's multiple ways to do so. You guys can donate through Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, or Red Circle, which is the RSS host for the show. Uh, if you're interested in doing it that way, uh, go down to the show description. At the very bottom, you'll see something along the lines of support this show on Red Circle. Uh, you guys can donate that way. Uh, if any of you guys donate and it doesn't give you an option for a personalized message, uh, please send me an email or a message on Instagram so I can give you guys a shout out on the show because like I was just saying, any uh, love and support for the show is more appreciated than you guys will ever realize. And the third way you guys can support the show is through the Open Minds Media merch store. Uh, there, you won't just find t-shirt designs for inquiries, but you'll also find stuff for Bizarre Encounters, Bite Size Bizarreties. And uh, hopefully by the time this comes out, I'll already have them added onto there, but I was working on some new shirt designs for both shows actually. Uh, if you guys want to keep updated on that, knowing that's coming out, of course, go and check out the Instagram because I'm sure that I'll be posting it as soon as I get those designs finalized and end up putting them onto the store, of course. And uh, if anybody buys anything from the Open Minds Media merch store, please, if you don't mind, send me a picture of you guys wearing it because I'd love to repost it and show that there's love and support out there in the world for the show, of course. And uh, while we're talking about love and support, I definitely recommend going and checking out Joe over at Crypto Theology. Uh, one of my personal favorites as far as cryptid merchandise goes. Uh, he's got paranormal stuff. He's got alien stuff. And I'm always amazed at all the awesome designs he creates. And they just got this, uh, this perfect like comic book, almost like nineties feel to them. Some stuff is parody. Some stuff is uh completely original designs, but I love what Joe's doing over there. And I think you guys will too. So if you haven't already go and check it out. Uh, I'm sure that you guys have probably seen me post some shirts on Instagram because I am always wearing Joe's crypto theology shirts because I just love them so much to be honest with you. And uh, everything that I mentioned, of course, all available under the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, let's get into the show. Please welcome to the show, producer and researcher, Heather Mosher. How's it going today? 
I am doing well. Uh, Monster Fest is right around the corner for Small Town Monsters, so it's kind of high stress time. But uh, yeah, we're good. I mean, I'm doing great. <laughs> well, besides all the stress, I appreciate you making the time to come on this week. Unfortunately, this will end up coming out after Small Town Monster Fest, but at least everybody can yeah. see the, the pregame going up to Small Town Monster Fest. And again, with all, right. all go- that you have going on this week, I appreciate you making the time to come on. Yeah, not a problem. Not a problem. So uh, for anybody that might not be familiar with who you are and what you do, uh, why don't you kind of give them an idea about uh, who you are and what you do? Okay. So uh, my name is Heather Mosier, and I am a producer and researcher for Small Town Monsters, um, which is a documentary film company. We make movies about monsters like Bigfoot, uh, UFOs, Jersey Devil, things like that. Um, I also write you can find some of my works in the feminine macabre volume one three and five which will be out this summer uh i used to write for shannon legros um beyond the or into the fray um blog weird writer blog um but yeah you can find my stuff here and there uh and i also help with the publishing company i'm like the editor and such for our stm publishing so yeah very versed yeah, with as far as uh, what you do going around. So I guess yeah. a good spot to kind of break everything down a little bit so you can give uh, the listeners kind of a good idea about all that you do. Uh, I guess yeah. the best place to start would be like, what got you interested in all of these uh, bizarre topics? Because of course, most of the listeners listening to the show probably know what Small Town Monsters is. Um, you know, and if you don't, I highly recommend going and checking it out because <laughs> they got some of the best uh, crypto documentaries out there. But uh, I guess yeah. good spot to start. Uh, what what got you interested in all that kind of stuff? And what got you uh, like wrapped up in with uh, Small Town Monsters? So what got me into the, the weird um, in general was probably, I mean, I grew up on Unsolved Mysteries. Mm. Um, so listening to Robert Stack every week, uh, you know, scare us half to death. And I'd give us a phone <laughs> number if we had any information. So that would have been like the beginning of that. And then also growing up with scary stories to tell in the dark, mm-hmm. something that we'd regularly check out from the school library, uh, goosebumps, all of that. Um, but I got involved with small town monsters because, uh, well, when they started their first movie was Minerva monster. And I grew up in a little town called Carrollton, which is in like school sports, the rival of Minerva. So I was very well aware of the, the town next door. Um, and it was interesting that there was a story coming out from Minerva. So that got my interest, but I was, um, also looking into cursed objects and things um and it was a couple years into stm doing some stuff that they announced they were going to be doing bell witch and i had been looking specifically into cursed objects from the bell witch cave and so i messaged seth um who i had already been talking to on and off anyway um, i said hey if you want any help with that let me in <laughs> <laughs> and he let me in so i've been there since but that's yeah they haven't gotten rid of me yet <laughs> I mean, apparently you do some good research if uh, if they're still keeping it around. So that's always a good thing to look forward to, I guess. And uh, yeah. for anybody that's not familiar with uh, with what, what what that is exactly, um, as far as like doing all your uh, cursed object research, uh, what mm-hmm. what kind of stuff did you come across? What do you classify as like a cursed object? And uh, like, what's some of the most interesting cursed objects that you've come across? Okay, so what I was focusing on at that time um, were cursed cursed objects or the idea is that they're 
<clears throat> objects taken from places that are reportedly haunted. And um, once people take them, bad things happen in their lives. And then they try to send them back to kind of fix their mistake. Because um, I was specifically looking into letters that accompany cursed objects whenever they're mailed back to their original place. Um, so with the Bell Witch Cave, you have rocks, people taking rocks from the Bell Witch Cave. Um, that's a common thing. When you go to the Bell Witch Cave, there are letters on the walls of the gift shop warning you to not take, I mean, from the people that have sent their stuff back, explaining to not do that. Um, but cursed objects can be anything, really, a doll. It can be some people send back feathers from grounds that are reportedly haunted or books or, of course, the rocks. Um, there's uh, Devil's Den out in Gettysburg. People will pick up rocks and things, which they're not supposed to be taking anyway. Um, but they'll send that back to the National Park Service with letters of apology and regret. So that's the, that's the whole idea behind that. Um, what's uh, some of the most interesting cursed objects you've found? And uh, also, have you ever had any like weird personal experience that have been attached to these cursed objects when you're checking them out? <laughs> um, so... <clears throat> The weirdest, I mean, there, there's famous cursed objects that, that everybody knows about, like uh, you've got Robert the Doll or Annabelle, those kind of, those kind of things um, that are the famous ones. As far as what I have heard, a friend of mine had these uh, like skeleton keys that since she had them, all kinds of bad things have occurred to her. Um, I think she even tried to get rid of them and that was not, it was no good. Um, <clears throat> like serious injuries that ended up in the hospital. As far as things that I have, I mean, I have some questionable dolls, but, um, and I'm sure other things, because I take rocks from everywhere, so I'm sure maybe something has an attachment to it. <laughs> but um, nothing horrible has happened. I mean, there's been odd things that have occurred, but nothing that's like, oh, I need to send that back. Um I didn't take a rock. I went to the Bellwitch Cave, but I did not take a rock from there. Uh, I wasn't, I don't know why. I think that was more of respect for the idea of the story. Um, but also, I don't want to, I don't know. I mean, I'll take stuff, but I guess if there's something massively concerning, then maybe I'll be a little more cautious. I don't know. I've been good so far, I think. I guess we'll see. <laughs> I've had one weird experience with a, I wouldn't even necessarily call it a cursed object, but from taking something from a paranormal place and it ended up resulting in seeing a shadow person sitting in the front room. And right after I directly ended up getting rid of it. So it's like, I don't know if it was specifically a cursed object or if it was just that there was something that had an attachment to something that I just took from the area. And it wasn't even like a matter of a specific item, but rather you take anything. And if there's something there, it's going to try to attach itself to it. So it's like, Right. Not specific curse items, but more so just like the tag along, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's something that you always run the risk of. Which which haunted place was that? Uh Northville Psychiatric Hospital, uh, in Michigan. And they oh. tore it down a couple years ago because there was just weirdness of like people falling down elevators, uh cops always watching it but never catching everybody that went into it and just a bunch of weirdness yeah. around it. And actually, weirdly enough, for the listeners that have been around for a little while. They've already kind of heard the story, but I ended up seeing a cougar there one day 
And I ended up looking up articles on it. And I guess there was other sightings for people that had seen a cougar in that area. And there was never a body, nothing ever found of it. And uh, I ended up seeing this like weird, tall, lanky creature in the basement. And the best way I could describe it was, I guess, like the Native American depiction of like what a Wendigo would be. So that's kind of like what I ended up following along with it with because it was, again, down in like the tunnels and everything. And uh, just weirdness all around. And then directly after that, they ended up tearing everything down. So when it comes to a lot of this stuff, I feel like the city is aware of it, be it that it's like paranormal, that there might be a creature there. Like just, I feel like they're aware and that's why they tear down these places. Ironically, once everything starts amping up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a place not far from here called Molly Stark hospital. It's an old tuberculosis hospital. It has a haunted reputation as well. Um, It's been abandoned and the county, has it in the center of a park that they've set up, but there's a fence all the way around it. People are constantly cutting through the fence to get into the abandoned building. Um, And it's just falling apart. It's, it's beautiful, but it's a mess. And uh, I think they're citing like safety concerns and they're talking about tearing it down soon, which is a shame because it's gorgeous. But I also recognize the state it's in. It would take so much money to fix it up, to make it safe um, for anything. Mm-hmm. but it's still sad to to see those buildings disappear it's almost like you need to start like a movement for you You always hear these things about it saving historical buildings but when they get to a certain point of like decrepit that kind of just goes out the window but yet you'll see these like old barns and stuff that farmers can't tear down that have been there for like 200 years mm-hmm. there needs to be some right. type of specific like document historical documentation for like a haunted place that people need to understand that the building is not going to be in the best condition but it needs to be preserved for the sake of research especially if people want to progress this whole paranormal research thing and i mean it's expanding Mm -hmm. like expanded like crazy the last couple of years too so i mean maybe it's only a matter of time before we start having some kind of movement where they start trying to save historical decrepit buildings that are haunted yeah (laughs) well the the there's one guy around here who's trying to to buy it to to fix it up. Um, his name's Adam Kimmel, and he actually owns a handful of uh, haunted buildings um, in Ohio and in, into Indiana, with the specific purpose of kind of putting it back to the way it once was, like bringing in time appropriate furniture and things like that, um, just to add to it. And it, he keeps everything open for haunted investigations. So it would be cool if he got it, but. It's so far gone. I don't know if they're going to let him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess he's been trying for a few years. So fingers crossed that it happens, but I don't have high hopes. I mean, all you can do is manifest for the best and hopefully it'll end up happening or at least just something where they just will like lay off on the building for a little bit. Even if they still have plans to destroy it, just so that people can do a little bit more research there. But I mean, as far as people like buying the buildings and like flipping them, I've always been kind of curious myself, like, how would the spirits interact with that? Would it be something that they would enjoy it? So that you would actually like almost like attract spirits and like make them happy because the building's getting retouched up or would it like anger the spirits because you're messing around with their environment? So in turn you'd have some kind of leave. Um, like a, a lot of the time when a lot of these haunted places end up becoming tourist attractions, I like often wonder if like the paranormal aspect actually stays or if it ends up like leaving after it becomes like a tourist attraction. Yeah, so I think that it, uh, I think it changes and morphs because, um, of course, you hear all kinds of stories about hauntings not even occurring until somebody like goes to fix up their house or something. So we know that changing the architecture, cleaning things up, can actually like kickstart things to a certain extent. But when it comes to 
other haunted locations, like I'm thinking like um, the Licking County Jail, which is here in Ohio, um, closer to Columbus area. They, the last time that I was there, we were the first team there after the winter season had ended. So they had been closed for months. And when we went in, it was just insane the amount of stuff that was happening because it almost seemed like they were bored that no one had been there. So they were excited that people were back or something. I don't know. It was just like amplified significantly. Um, but then also when you have a mass amount of people coming in and out of these places, I think people bring stuff with them. Um, and then the way that they view things also uh, kind of shifts the lens of what's going on as well, um, depending on, on how they see the world and see what's happening. But I really think that people bring things along with them at times. And I wonder sometimes if stuff just doesn't stay like, ah, this, this place looks nice. I think I'll stay here for a while and just kind of stop. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've, always, um, I've always been curious yeah. too, if certain ghosts maybe like kind of develop, like, I don't want to say necessarily an ego, but they almost feel like famous. Like, and they notice that a bunch of people are coming to see oh. them. They get to a point where they get excited where they're not even trying to like scare people anymore to get noticed. They're trying to just like have fun with it because they feel like they're famous on like the other side, you know? Yeah, well, I ran into something at um, Madison Seminary, which is here in Ohio as well. Um, and uh, there's this room, they call it Sarah's Room. And the idea of what the entity is is kind of debated. But, because, I mean, it, they say Sarah, but it, it might not even be a girl or whatever. It might be some something else entirely. Anyway, um, one of the last times that I was there, it seemed as if the interactions we were getting from other spirits were almost jealousy. Because everybody talks about Sarah and Sarah's room. That's like the spot. If if she's if they have that place on TV, Sarah's room is a good five to ten minutes of an hour long episode. Um, but it seemed like the last time that I was there, any interaction we had, whether it was on the Estes method or just uh, having things go off, it was almost as if it was like, all right, that's enough of Sarah. You know, there are other people here. There are other things here that can do tricks, you know, get away from Sarah's room. Um, so I, I wonder if that doesn't play into it as well. Cause if they were, if some of these spirits were human, right. At one point, then wouldn't they still possibly have the same emotions that we as humans have, which means some are going to be jerks. <laughs> some are going to be nice, quiet, nervous, shy, whatever. And jealousy is part of that human emotion. I don't know. I mean, who knows? But I just wonder if that doesn't stick with the spirits as they pass on to. They're actually sitting there on the other side like, there never was a Sarah. It was me. Pay attention to me. <laughs> right, exactly. You got the name wrong. I wasn't even in that room. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. Turns up the spirit even more because at the root of it, I feel like half the time these spirits, even if they do have typical emotions, they just want to be like figured out or at least like mm -hmm. understand where they are or at least have some type of closure in knowing that like, people know that they're there because I feel like one of the most horrifying things would almost be like interacting in front of people and not being able to get noticed by people to the point where it's like you try with all of your energy just to shift an object and the average person might not see it or if they do they're going to be horrified of it and then you end up right. getting into this whole thing where you have everybody like starting to research it trying to understand it and realistically they're yeah. just on the other side like I just want somebody to figure to see me and like they're doing anything they can right. they're just pushing objects and that's what it could simply be on the other side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how frustrating if, if the person that does see it just is like, ah, that's just the wind or that was just my imagination. If they use all this energy to make something happen and then 
the the one living explains it away. That would be heartbreaking. Or, I mean, <laughs> even worse, too, is if it was like, uh, say you were like a grandma and your grandkid was at this house and you're just trying to make that connection with your grandkid. So you like will brush their back or something like that, like a typical like thing a grandma would yeah. do. But not understanding what's touching you. You're just trying to do something sweet and gentle. And this kid on the other side's like, Oh no, something just touched me. And they're freaking out. And you're like, no, no, I'm your grandma. I was just trying to show you that I'm here. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. That would be heartbreaking for sure. And then you even got the manipulative part that comes in too, where you have all these like dark beings that will try to hide themselves as you know, somebody that's related to you or somebody close to you. So it's like, even if you do have an experience like that and you're like, Oh, it's just my grandma. You still have that weariness in the back of your head. Of, is it something pretending to be my grandma? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. <laughs> so you just, my husband just crawled up in here to give me a drink, but because we're talking about ghosts and stuff, all I saw was a hand anyway. Um, yeah, that, and, and the same thing comes whenever you have interactions with things that claim to be like children. I think red flags go off immediately sometimes with people when it claims to be a child because that, I mean, that the, what do I want to say? The prevailing thought at times is anything that's a child might be a demon or, you know, but the likelihood of interacting with a demon, I don't know what that is either, <laughs> but uh, they're really good. From what I hear about pretending to be innocent things to kind of get your, to get your trust and your, I don't know, getting your good graces to believe them. I mean, when it comes to the kids stuff too, I often wonder if kids even necessarily get trapped in that state because kids are just so innocent. I mean, you got a nine-year-old, what, what bad have they realistically done to get like trapped in this realm, so to speak? So like, I don't know, when it comes to children in particular, I often wonder, one, if, again, kids' spirits even get trapped like that, and two, if it's, again, also just taking advantage of the fact that any adult, you see a kid in need, especially if it's like a spirit, it, it just gets rid of that. Typically, it would have gotten rid of that like ambiance to it of like, oh, I want to help you. So, that, you know, dark beings right. would take advantage of that. But now that we're doing more research into all of this kind of stuff and starting to understand stuff, you know, 20 years ago, the kid thing might have worked maybe, but now it's like anybody <laughs> sees a kid and they're like, oh, hell no. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, I know what that is. <laughs> exactly. Especially if it's a kid that's really strong as far as like what their abilities might be. Like, I don't feel like yeah. they would have had that long to really figure out their skills. And it seems like always the ones that have the most skills are always something darker than what they present themselves to be. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. So I guess uh, kind of digging into the paranormal topic, because I always just find it fascinating to get people's uh, different viewpoints on things. Uh, what's kind of like your understanding as far as like the paranormal? Like, what do, what do you try to like relate it to? Or what are some like possible theories that you... Uh, you kind of bring into possibility when it, when you're dealing with the paranormal. <laughs> um, I try to keep an open mind about any possibility because um, basically since the first time that I had seen anything that was odd, like a shadow figure that shouldn't exist, like it shouldn't be there, but you see it um, light beings that move around. Like once those things happen, I think it's impossible. Well, it's not impossible for some people, but it's impossible for me to throw out other things. Like if this can happen and this can manifest and I saw that and I wasn't the only one that saw it, like I'm not losing my mind. Um, if that's possible, what else is possible? So in the same vein of thinking, when it comes to what is the paranormal, I can't just choose one thing. 
and say that I know definitively that's what it is. I don't think any of us definitively know what any of it is, but um, I would not be bound to one set of beliefs when it comes to things. Um, Cause it also seems like just when I start to kind of get an idea of what, what maybe something is or what might make sense, something else happens that kind of throws all of that off. Like I think <laughs> when there would be something like a, a land-based creature or, or entity, an elemental type situation. Like I might think that I have a handle on, okay, so they're protectors, they're guardians or whatever. But what about the ones that are just jerks that are more like a trickster type thing? Like what, where do they fall in this hole? Like where are they in the tree of <laughs> supernatural entities and what is their purpose? Um, and when you look back through history, every culture has, that has these breakdowns. They all mean different things. They all, However, even though they have the different breakdowns and they mean different things, they still are all reflections of something very similar. So I think the only thing that I could definitively say in my mind is that there is another side. There are other things. Um, and humans have been aware of it since we've been conscious of things. Um, what that is, I think the names change over time as to what makes most sense to us. And I think what you know, like if I say a trickster spirit, then I think that whatever that is may make more sense under a different name for someone else. But trickster works for me, but we're seeing the same thing, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, like I, I talk about this all the time, how it's just different perspectives and different names for the same type of being. Because every yeah. every culture, every group has different names for everything. Yeah, but I mean, as far as like the other side and, and things like that, I have... I have no idea. I can't be mentally. I can't, I can't just go by one religion and say, okay, there's definitely a heaven and a hell. Cause that makes sense. Like, because that's just the Christian view of things. What about other ways of thinking? Maybe that's just the word that works for Christians and it's something else, you know, like I can't, I can't do that. Um, but I have thoughts that their reincarnation is a thing. Um, and that was, uh, that always seems like a, a cool thing to think about. But also when I had children, two of the three of them had stories when they were younger. I mean, like little, little talking about when they were old and describing their deaths, um, in ways that were way too graphic, um, way too intense for like, cause I was at that point in time, very vigilant about what they were watching. Like they weren't picking it up from book. They weren't picking it up from a movie or anything. Um, and they're describing how they died before they became part of this family. And so to me, I'm like, okay, all right. So you were someone else for a while. Now you're back. Awesome. Um, so yeah, that's one of my thoughts anyway. I'm kind of the same with you that I'm kind of all over the board on it where even coming from like different like religious perspectives for me, at least I say it all the time on the show. I can't necessarily sit in one camp because I feel like all different religions are all just different perspectives of just the same big event that's happening. So it's like hard to just say Mm -hmm. that I focus into one specific area, but like I bounce around as far as my views go on the paranormal. Uh, One of the ones that I've dug into the most, I feel is the whole idea about interdimensional aspects to it Mm -hmm. where you know you have like the time loops where somebody will see somebody in this location then 10 years later they see somebody in the opposite location like they just 
they like they switch spots and um a lot of stuff i feel kind of connects into that Uh, another theory Mm -hmm. that i've been kind of thinking about and working on lately is this whole idea about how it kind of connects in what you're saying with uh with the multiple lives where essentially you're supposed to keep elevating to be able to become like a higher dimensional being and if you yeah. didn't complete what you're supposed to do, then you kind of just get recycled in. And that's where you get these recycled lives is because there's something you're supposed to do that you didn't finish. And right. I was also kind of wondering the, if, you know, if you're, if you've elevated a little bit, but not enough that you made it into that next dimension, if you almost get stuck in this, like in between where you're mm-hmm. not really in this dimension or the other dimension, you're kind of in this like astral ghost dimension. And maybe you have to do more or something within that to either lower yourself or hire yourself to be able to kind of restart the loop because you kind of got stuck in that weird little glitch spot. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's just the whole perspective of there being another world of different beings and there being this whole world that exists around us. But as far as I'm concerned, that kind of, I feel, sits still in that interdimensional camp. But every time I Mm -hmm. talk to somebody, I feel like the theories kind of readjust and readapt with more information. But... (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the idea when you're talking about like time loops, it reminds me of um, like energetic imprints that you see a lot in hauntings where it's like the same scene that plays over and over again of a traumatic event. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would and credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So it isn't even like there's sentient spirits that are happening. You're just watching something play out. Like the that happens in Mansfield Reformatory is one of the ones that comes to my mind to begin with. But um, the energetic imprints don't necessarily have to be just ghosts either because I've read stories where um, like one of my favorite stories that I read was a, a man who went back to his childhood home to just because he hadn't been there since he was little and he wanted to see his house. Um, when he got there, the family said, just out of curiosity, did you guys have any like ghosts when you were here? And he's like, no, what are you talking about? And they explained that in the basement, they would see a little boy riding a tricycle. Um, just like around the basement floor because it was concrete or whatever. And when they described it, it was actually him. He would always ride his tricycle whenever he was younger. It was one of his favorite things to do. But his like his imprint somehow stayed there. And so they were seeing the ghost, ghost essentially, of a guy who's still alive. <laughs> um, so all of that's fascinating as well to think about. I'm glad that you brought that up because it's something that I've been asking around a a lot lately where you have like the residual haunting idea where you hear about a traumatic event and it echoes through time, echoes through different dimensions. So it just is like an event that replays in the same location, even if there's not like conscious spirits connected to that. So one thing that I've been kind of pondering lately is you hear about this with traumatic events. Could the same thing happen with positive events where if something so happy happens in this spot that it also causes this imprint 
And off of what you were saying too, it kind of connects into my other aspect of it, where if somebody is always doing the same thing in the same spot, does it almost like burn like it almost like a screen image into that spot? So it's kind of getting to where I've been curious about with that in between that it doesn't always have to be something traumatic. But I mean, from your experience, have you noticed anything where it's like a super positive thing that's happened in one location that that caused residual haunting? Because the closest I've seen is like uh, asking around uh, like saloon music Um, because it's not necessarily scary, but just a bunch of people having a good time. But again, that can be taken both ways. So it's not really a definite like, yes, this was a happy thing that's saved in this area. Yeah. Other than that story that I just recounted, as far as places that I've been to, all of them have a pretty dark past. So there really isn't even a chance for anything good to be imprinted in the the area because it's been like prisons or asylums or whatever. Um, But I mean, people here people here laughing at times but that that could be just something replaying um i don't know i i think that it's absolutely possible because i think the idea of a traumatic event is that it is and in it, it imprints because it's such an intense moment of energy but intensity doesn't have to be negative either it can be a positive intense moment so i think it's absolutely possible for really awesome things to be imprinted in time as well it's just maybe those don't grab our attention as much um because people aren't going necessarily to i don't know what would be a happy place to go investigate um i I don't know if that's like the thing to do so much well i was thinking even at like hospitals you hear about all these stories about in a you know, like we're, we're in the pregnancy wards about people hearing screaming and things like that. And I mean, of course that can be taken as a negative thing, but it could also be the positive thing that it was such a happy moment, even though there was screaming involved, but somebody gets to see their kid for the first time that there might be sure. this residual sound, uh, emotion that's left in this area from kind of like what you're saying with that other experience, people that are still alive, but people are taking yeah. it as a scary negative thing because they're hearing the screaming of somebody giving birth versus thinking about it from the perspective of like, that could be the happiest moment of somebody's life was birthing their kid. Right. That's true. That's very true. I think that also speaks to, um, what is most attractive to us story-wise because it seems more, uh, romanticized to find a place that's absolutely horribly scary and haunted than to be like, oh, I found a place that's got a lot of happy ghosts. It just doesn't fit with a lot of the narrative that people want to push anyway. Um, right now in the paranormal, it seems like it's not even necessarily a talk about <clears throat> um, negative spirits so much as demons. Like everybody's quick to say it's a demon. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's just a catchphrase at this moment. Um, like it's just a, a hot, a hot term to use. Um but nobody's saying that they just, I, I, there's, there's laughing ghosts. that's just so excited all the time. Like that just doesn't, it's not as intriguing. So I wonder if that just doesn't get a, get recorded as much, or we just don't pay attention. If it's something that we're just not as open to maybe to even experiencing. I think people um, would just be creeped out if they heard a laughing ghost more than anything, even if he was like laughing at a hysterical joke or something. That's true. That's true. But also, I think some of it, too, is what we come into the area, like the um, the energy that we bring in with us when we go into a location. Because I've been on investigations where, um, like, we go in and some of the people in the group are very, like, already defensive and, like, this big tough guy type 
feeling when you walk in, like, I know there's stuff in here and it's not going to mess with us. And, um, what happens on those investigations, usually there's stuff pushing back, right? Like from the beginning, there's, there's, yes, there's activity, but it is more aggressive activity where there's other times that I've gone in and we've literally like found the toy chest that's upstairs in the one bedroom. And I'm like throwing the ball at, at someone. We're just playing. And then the energy that we get and the responses that we get are not as aggressive at all. Um, stuff will still happen. It's just that, <clears throat> I don't know. I think the entities that maybe are a little freer, a little happier are probably, or children even, if there are children, are more likely to show themselves when people come in a little lighthearted than coming in with, you know, I'm going to call you every name in the book and tell you how you are horrible. <laughs> you know, you are this evil doctor and whatever the story may be. Um, I would think that the, the entities that are a little kinder aren't going to show themselves. What would be the point um, when all these other nasty things are getting called out? I mean, there's two aspects of that and two phrases that I kind of feel fall into this. It's you are what you eat. So of course, all the yeah. negative spirits are going to feed on the negative energy. And then the mm -hmm. child, child playful spirits are going to feed off of the positive energy. And then, yeah. um, your vibe attracts your tribe. So again, connecting yes. into that, that yes. if you're a positive, happy, uplifting person, then you might have more encounters with like the childlike spirit that you hear about people like playing, throwing the ball down the hallway, just like little subtle things like that versus like you go into a place and you're one of these like angry paranormal investigators, like, let's go and do this. I'm going to see demons. Yeah. You might get to the point too, where again, talking earlier in the conversation about ghosts possibly having an ego that you go into this mm -hmm. place with that mentality and this typical spirit's like, all right, you want to come here, see a demon. I'll show you a demon. No problem. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I have no doubt that some of these entities that like claim to be demons, whether through it's through the Estes method or whatever method of communication that you may have are just spirits trying to freak you out because that's probably fun. I, I mean, I mean, plain and simple, too. They might just want to be left alone. So maybe they're thinking if That's they true. pretend like there's this huge evil demonic presence here, then, you know, people are going to not want to come around, not realizing that it's attracting like the serious investigators. But, you know, it could have been something yeah. just subtle, just a sad, lonely count that wanted to be left alone. So he just pretends like he's a demon to scare everybody <laughs> away. <laughs> yeah, that could be it. I've actually had like <clears throat> instances where things will just say no when you go to communicate with them. If they don't want to talk, they just no. Like, I'm thinking uh, specifically on the Ouija board. Um, there's been times where something just doesn't want to talk. It'll just, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. And that's it. You can't get it to do anything because it doesn't want to talk. Um, and it makes it very clear. Um, but I can also see trying to terrify somebody, too. Like, yeah. I can also see something trying to scare, <laughs> scare people for fun, too, though. So, yeah, I'm the devil. <laughs> Try me. <laughs> So out of curiosity too, because you mentioned, of course, that you paranormal investigate. Um, I always ask anybody that does paranormal investigations this question, because it's always a great question. Um, one, what was your favorite experience paranormal investigating? And two, for anybody, say that there was anybody that doesn't believe in the paranormal whatsoever. Uh, what is your personal favorite piece of evidence that you found that you would suggest to somebody that didn't believe in anything paranormal? Okay, so... <clears throat> This, I'm going to take the same route that I take with uh, people when I try to find witnesses for small town monsters, like people willing to um, hopefully trust us enough to tell us their stories, their encounters. Um, there's literally nothing that I can say of my personal experience 
that is going to change your mind about what you're thinking. If you are completely against it, it's one of those things that you have to experience it to understand it. The same way with when I'm trying to get witnesses and they're very hesitant, I could say, listen, I know that you don't know me and I could be feeding you a line of whatever you want to hear, but go, go look up our stuff, see what it is. Right. And once you see what we do, then you can make your own decision about whether you want to talk with us and, and, you know, share your stories with us. It's the same thing with the paranormal. I could tell you like my best piece, <laughs> I guess, of evidence. Uh, I mean, there's just been so many things. Um, but one thing that's, that's really stuck with me. One of them is uh, like these light, it only happened once, but it was these light beings that um, it's like shadow person, but in reverse. I didn't even know these things existed. Um, it was at Mansfield Reformatory up in the West Attic. Um, and we were up there because we'd heard that you could see like orbs of light. There's no windows or anything in this room. Um, and yeah, when we were in there, there were some lights that were going back and forth. But then this thing, it was a human form, but it was made of light. And... Um, it would walk up to us. It would respond to us as far as coming closer, backing away if we stood up and started to walk toward it or whatever. But it was emanating light. Like when it would walk by the wall, you could see the wall start to light up. Once, <laughs> once that happened, I mean, I was shaking. That's the only time that I can remember where I was actually like physically shaking um, from something that I was seeing. And I wasn't the only one seeing it. Um, my whole team saw it. We were all equally freaked out by this thing. That almost um, makes it worse when everybody sees it. Cause then you can't just rationalize it and get rid of it in your head. <laughs> yeah. So that would be something that would be, I think, I think would be a legit piece of evidence. But the problem was like, we could put our uh, phone up or whatever, but phones don't work well in the dark anyway, even with something light. And it wasn't like blinding bright. Um, so the phones weren't picking it up. So that wasn't helpful. Um, it's not like we could record it. But then other things, I mean, I've had weird things happen while under for the SS method because normally I'm the one that's under. Um, so whatever happens outside or the questions that they ask, I'm not aware of. But when I get pulled out of it and everybody's freaked out because of what was being said or what I did or whatever, um, any of those sessions that are recorded, like <clears throat> I think it was... I think it was Licking County Jail that we, or no. Well, this happened in Licking County Jail as well, but we did this in a couple. So yeah, the, the other, another thing, like going through the SS method, we've had an instance or instances in multiple locations where um, one thing that we like to try was we would put two people under for the SS method, but in different areas of a location. So whether it was one side of the basement and the other side of the basement or one floor and another floor, but we'd have people in between that could kind of hear both sides going. Um, and one of us would get on like the, uh, the spirit box that would go through the AM or FM frequencies. And the other one would get on the uh, phasma box that would go through internet radio. So we're not even on the same frequencies, but eventually we start talking to one another or both start answering things. The stuff that was the most interesting was when we would start answering one another or arguing. Um, the, the Licking County Jail incident, we were describing the same thing and it was almost like one of us was a, um, one of us was like a, 
a preacher explaining what was happening and somebody must have been someone in the congregation or whatever, the way that it was bouncing back and forth. Um, and then there would be other times, this other place. And I, why is it escaping my Brownella Brownella cottage? Um, where I would just repeat, like I, when I'm under, I, I will repeat the words that I hear, but also if there's something like in a distinct sound that I think is worth mentioning, I might say that. So, and we were recording all of this. So we have this recorded um, <clears throat> where I heard, it was really weird. I'm like, it sounds like a video game, uh, an arcade game being unplugged from the wall. That's just like, Ooh. yeah. Um, when I said that, almost as soon as I was finished, someone on the other side of the basement said, I hear like Pac-Man. But everything up to that point, like these, they're weird things. Or I hear church bells and then they're saying, I hear like, you know, it sounds like the, the church bells are ringing for whatever. I mean, it was just insane the, the way that it was all syncing up in certain aspects. Um, but yes, there was a time, it was, it was the Licking County Jail where we were going back and forth as well. And um, sometimes it was straight up arguments. The one time that we finished, the team was just like flabbergasted at the end because they're like, we didn't even have to ask anything. You two were just going back and forth. And you guys are on um, opposite sides of the building too, so you guys weren't like hearing each other? Yeah, like like in this in that instance, we were both in the basement, but we were like on other sides of the basement with walls between us. Um, and then the team was like in the center, uh, like by the doorways, so they could hear us both. And we were, you know, um, yeah, there was no hearing anything. And it's, it's to the point too, like, you know, that you can't really investigate well, unless you trust your team. Right. Mm -hmm. But when stuff like that happens, when you get out of it and the team is telling you some of this stuff, you're like, quit messing with me, <laughs> quit, quit lying to me. That did not happen. That's ridiculous. Um, it's like, you know, you said this and then Travis said this. And, um, like you said, video game. Cause I can, I remember the sound. I don't always remember everything as I'm going through the Estes method. Like when I get pulled out of it, I don't always remember every little thing that I hear, but I could remember that because it was so distinct. And like, well, when you said that, then he said something about Pac-Man, but it had nothing to do with the place we were in. Like zero to do with the haunting. I don't even know what the point of that was. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that stuff's wild. That would be good evidence if somebody were to just be there, but it, it takes a willingness to listen and to, to put the time into it. Um, at the very least, I would love if people who were skeptical, like we had a very short, <laughs> a very short lived series called on the trail of hauntings for small town monsters. <laughs> <laughs> I got to host that. Um, and we would go and we'd interview people at places and then we'd do an investigation or whatever. But, um, I, I wished so many times that something would happen for all the guys on the, on the crew that are skeptical about stuff. Because I know this stuff exists, but it doesn't matter what I say, because they haven't experienced it. But um, it's also about impossible for them to experience anything aside from something would have to literally smack them upside the head or like knock a camera out of their hands for them to be like, whoa. Because otherwise, they're just going to explain it away anyway because they don't believe in it. 
or I mean, there's still you know, people that'll still explain it away, even if something crazy like that happens. They could see a face of something true. right in front of them, they'd still explain it away, like, oh, it was light bouncing off of this, and then it was a mirror, <laughs> and then that, and <laughs> right, right. So it would have to. I mean, it would have to be something like really extreme to get someone who's completely in the camp of of disbelief. Um, so it really wouldn't matter what I say. Um, but even someone like I have always been open to the idea of things, even whenever I was younger, I, I believed that these things could exist, but even with that belief, having the experience is a whole other ball game. Like the verification that like I can believe all I want and have experiences here that, that Bigfoot exists. Right. But I haven't seen him. If I see Bigfoot outside my window, that's going to ruin me. (laughs) I mean, like that and people have had those experiences and I'm not doubting that he exists, but still having that experience of him right there is still going to mess with me that somehow there's this confirmation that, oh, yeah, these these things exist. It's the same thing with ghosts in my mind. Um. Yeah, it's one of those things with people, though, that no matter how much you believe in something, there's always something in the back of your head that doesn't want to believe stuff unless you physically see it. And it's like this, the modern world now, even then it's getting hard to believe just because there's so much stuff that can be pushed into everything. Like, particularly when it comes to like all the recordings that you find of, you know, anything UFO, anything cryptid, anything paranormal. You had this like yeah. window where technology wasn't <laughs> great, where you couldn't really do that kind of stuff. And there was all this footage that was coming out, but the camera quality wasn't there. So everything was really blurry. Nobody could really make anything out that great. <laughs> and then the next step yeah. after too much technology where you can edit anything to make it look realistic and like yes. anything. And then the cameras caught up. So it's like, we never really had that good middle ground spot for any good video. Cause it went from blurry. I can't see anything to, <laughs> Oh, you can't believe that it's photo editing. And now it's like, even right. with Bigfoot in particular, it drives me absolutely insane. I see so much AI art. And if you watch enough of that oh, stuff, you yeah. can tell the fingers are weird, just certain stuff. And I'll just see that getting for flooded now. around everywhere. And everybody's yeah. like, Oh, for real Bigfoot footage. Like eventually it's going to be even harder for us to determine that. Like right now that's, I do the same thing. If there's a humanoid body, you look at the fingers or feet or whatever, because AI can't just like humans can't draw that the hands really well. Neither, (laughs) neither can AI, but eventually AI will catch up to that. Um, I have no doubt about that. And then I don't know what the next like tell will be. I don't know if we'll be able to, unless you get into like the metadata of a photo or something, how you're going to be able to tell whether something was, a computer generated image or an actual image. It's just, what are we going to trust? <laughs> it's, it's all so part weird. of disclosure is that you'll never know for sure because you can edit anything. So the information and the right. narrative on anything can easily be controlled through good old photo editing. <laughs> yeah. And that's terrifying. Actually, <laughs> it's going to be a point where all the uh, paranormal researchers go back to actual stock film that can't be edited. And that's going to be the only physical mm-hmm. proof you could ever have is if you have the actual negative copy of the picture. Oh, yeah. Well, people are already going around like uh, Polaroids and things because um, in some of the original film, because of the belief that things show up better with that anyway. But that's harder to fake, like you said. So that's right. We'll get our old <laughs> VHS recorders. <laughs> huge ones on our shoulders, carrying them around. We'll have to go back to that. At least you'll know the serious researchers because they'll be the ones <laughs> carrying around the 20 pound cameras. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <sighs> 
So uh, I guess before we run out of time, because I know you said you're a little bit time pressed, you know, especially because the event and everything coming up, um, I'd like to dig yeah. into some of your more recent work. You said you have some books that are coming out uh, this summer um, and anything else, of course, uh, that you have coming out. I'd love to get into a little bit, uh, talk about it and kind of get the listeners excited for your future work coming out. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> OK, so as far as small town monsters goes, uh, because that's what's in my head right now. We just got a book put out through Small Town Monsters Publishing. It's the Texas Dogman Triangle by Aaron Deese. It's his first work, um, but it's also like a companion piece to uh, the Dogman Triangle doc that we're putting out. Um, and that'll be out June 27th, I believe. Um, so those are a great pair together. Those are the next two things coming out from STM. Um, if you were at the Canton Palace screening, then you would have already seen Land of the Missing. Uh, but that'll be one of our upcoming things on the Trail of Bigfoot, Land of the Missing, which is like a, I don't know, it's another part of On the Trail of Bigfoot. But uh, it was like the second thing that we filmed while in Alaska last, not this most recent, last May, uh, May of 2022. <laughs> um, <clears throat> as far as writings, like my personal stuff goes, I have a piece coming out in the Feminine Macabre, which is an all-female paranormal investigator journal. Um, and um, I did a piece. First piece was about cursed objects. That was in volume one, specifically the rocks from Bellwitch Cave and the letters that come with them. Um, in volume three, I had an article called Facing the Faceless, where I talked about headless ghosts, um, or one headless ghost in particular, that actually had a name attached to him. And then I did genealogical research on him, talked to one of his descendants and like wrote about his life outside of the end of it. So he's not just a headless ghost anymore. I have a picture of him. There's a face to the faceless now. Um, which uh, five, headless horseman, if, if you don't mind me asking, which, which one is it? Is it the one that's the European one or is it the, the whole American folklore one? No, it was, it was, a, it was a guy in Missouri actually. <clears throat> Um, he was, uh, just a headless ghost. There was no horse involved, but, um, by a railroad track, there had been, um, a steam engine that had exploded and decapitated a man. Um, and then within a month or so of that incident, then they were seeing his spirit walking up and down the tracks. Um, and so the community were like, oh, that has to be him because there was no, <laughs> no headless ghost prior to that. And that guy just lost his head and there he is. Um, so, and that made the newspapers, which is how I found it, because I love to go through old newspaper articles. Um, but the one that's coming out in volume five, which will be out um, by the end of June, is about Goatman, <laughs> essentially. Satyrs and Goatman. Um, I actually, I titled it Satirical, like with Satyr, though, instead of just satire, Satirical Synchronicities. Um, also the play on, I hate the word synchronicity, but it just shows up everywhere. So I'm trying to, I'm <laughs> that's trying a to synchronicity all on its own. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, but that basically just goes uh, about how Goatman stuff. When I look back has been everywhere in my life, whether I've wanted it or not, stuff just keeps popping up. And so this is kind of an acknowledgement of, like, okay, I see it. I get it. What, what do you want? Like, I got it satyrs keep showing up or goat man or whatnot so what do you want from me um so it's kind of an acknowledgement too yes there's synchronicities i see it now what's the next step um so that'll be coming out um and then i have a few short stories that are out in other 
publications, but all that can be found on my, um, or at least links to it can be found on my Instagram as well. So yeah. And then uh, as far as all your books go, where can everybody come and get your books from? Uh, Small Town Monster website, Amazon, where's your preferred place? So if you guys go to, for Small Town Monsters Publishing, if you go to smalltownmonsters.com and go to our shop and do our web store and buy our books there, that um, is best for us. But we also have all of them available on amazon.com. But you can find the list. We, we Right now, we only have three out. Um, we have The Kinderhook Creature and Beyond, A Personal Reminiscence by Bruce Hallenbeck. Um, we have Curious Creatures, The Vegetable Man, <laughs> which is a children's book. Um Although the vegetable man is a little bit scary. So people on Amazon were a little bit irritated with it, whatever. It's beautiful. Deal with it. <laughs> Goosebumps are much worse. Um, and then we have the dog man triangle. So right now we have three books out through STM publishing, but we did just start last year. So we're still a baby. <laughs> and definitely probably go and check it out off of your guys' website. Cause a lot of other authors have talked about on the show, as far as how Amazon works and how much they take out of the cut of it. So if you want to fund the research, always go and buy it from directly the person that's writing the book. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. They do make sure that they, they take their share. That is for sure. Good old, uh, almost like the government, they take a bigger cut than what you get. <laughs> mm -hmm. Very true. <laughs> and, uh, anybody that's coming in and trying to find you in general, find your work, Instagram, uh, what, what's your Instagram handle? Where can everybody come and find you at? So my handle is pagan historian, P A G A N historian. Um, that's my handle. You can email me Heather at smalltownmonsters.com. Um, but yeah, Penguin Historian. I'm on there more than any other social media thing. I really only have Facebook and Instagram because I can't stand Twitter. So, um, and there's multiple Heather Mosiers on Facebook, so I can't even narrow you down on that one. But Penguin Historian on Instagram. I'm on there all the time. You can send me a message or send me an email. I'm down. As far as this community goes, I think Instagram has been the main one that's kind of taken over everything. And Facebook's just getting yeah. full of like groups and spam. So everybody's just slowly sliding over to Instagram. So that's the go-to now. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, I always like to leave the show on a high note. Not that, you know, this was necessarily on a low note or anything, <laughs> but uh, I always like to leave with words of wisdom because the listeners do enjoy it. Yeah. So if there's any words of wisdom you could bestow on the listeners, what would it be? It would be to... Um, <laughs> If you're interested in something, go for it. If you want to start a podcast, go for it. If you want to write, write. If you want to research, research. Just do it. Don't think about it. Don't doubt yourself. Just go for it. Um, because I think all of us spend too much time worrying about what other people will think or how something will be received. But if it's something that truly interests you, just do it. You'll feel better. Even if it's just for yourself, you'll feel better doing it. So that would be my advice. Passion is the spice of life as far as I'm concerned. I say this a lot on the show that if there's anything that you really want to go do, the only person that's holding you back from doing it is you. So just go on and do it because yeah. you never know what will come to be of that unless you take that leap of actually physically doing it. Yeah, that's your vibe attracts your tribe, like you said. Exactly. You find your tribe until you put your vibe out there. And then once you find your tribe, it'll make your work that much easier because you'd be shocked at how many awesome people you get connected in with that are willing to help you. Um, even just starting a podcast, you know, you talk to so many different people that, you know, if you want to write a book, you have somebody that could help you do that. So half of yeah. it, half the battle is breaking your way into the community. And once you break your way into the community, you have numerous people that are more than willing to give you some extra advice to help you to progress your passion. So absolutely. 
this has been a great conversation. I appreciate you again making the time to do it, especially because I know you're time pressed. So uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully having you back on the show again in the future and we can uh, dive into a little bit longer of a conversation next time. Heck yeah, I'm down. If you guys enjoyed the show, don't forget to take an extra five seconds to leave a rating for the show on Spotify or take an extra 30 seconds to leave a review for the show on iTunes. And of course, I will give you guys a shout out on the show. Uh, if you know anybody that might enjoy this particular episode, don't forget to share this episode with them through word of mouth. That's an awesome way to help the show grow. And uh, like I was saying in the beginning of the show, I can't stress it enough how important it is to have your guys' support, um, be it through if you know if you can't donate or do anything like that for the show, just sharing the show, anything, even coming into the community, um, interacting, uh, giving me your feedback on stuff, uh, any support, no matter what be it through even just conversation is more appreciated than you guys will ever know. So don't be afraid. Shoot me a message. Let's have a conversation. Give me your opinions. I want to know them and I want to meet, I want to get to know all of you guys individually because I see all the numbers. I don't get to see your guys' faces and I want to be able to connect some faces to it. So even if you're just sending me a simple message saying, Hey, what's up? I enjoy the show. That's honestly great. And I would really love that. And uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, you guys can message me on Instagram, which is the form of social media that I'm the most active on, or the Discord, of course. Uh, I got to get used to saying that one because I am a little bit more active in the Discord than I used to be, of course, trying to restructure it and grow it a bit. Uh, you guys can also email me at inquiries of our reality podcast at outlook.com. Or you can go to the link tree, fill it in submission form, and that will go directly to my email, of course. Uh, make sure you check your spam or junk folders. Make sure nothing gets missed because I do respond to every single message that you guys send me. Everything that I mentioned, of course, all available under the link tree, which is L-A-N-K-T-R period E-E slash Inquiries of Our Reality Podcast. And with that, I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. Is your wallet a little lighter than usual after the holiday season? Consider it money well spent because you deserve to live your best life and the Chime Checking Account wants to help you live yours to the fullest. A little extra money goes a long way, which is why the Chime Checking Account has tons of benefits that millions of members love, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and access to over 60,000 easy-to-find and fee-free ATMs. You even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit, all while managing your money on the go, including sending and receiving money fee-free with friends that aren't even on Chime. Sign up for Chime today for you and your wallet. Get started at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. 
With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.